morning, church. Um, it is a privilege to be sharing God's word with you this morning, this season, where it is five days till Christmas. Um, I was excited at the thought that we might be gathering together today, um, being that that would have been, I think, what, first time since March, maybe. And um, yeah, you know, yesterday, tier four, and uh, what, what, what a year it's been, you know, it's just been one of them years, isn't it, where you don't know whether you're coming, you're going, um, and I think it's fair to say generally it's been a tough year for, for people, um, I know people that have had uh, weddings cancelled, I'm sure we all know people in our lives that have um, had holidays booked where funds have not recovered, <laughs> You know, small businesses that have gone under, people have lost jobs, loss of income, people haven't seen family members for a long time, and, you know, those who are maybe single feeling quite isolated, and we've seen the, the repercussions of that with, with mental health, and so it's, it's been a difficult year, let's say, and yet with all the neg negativity, um, one thing I feel people were definitely looking forward to was Christmas. You know, even the Grinches, people that I know that don't even like Christmas, this year were like <laughs> looking forward to Christmas because it was just like, you're on such a low, it's a bad year, and, and it's something to look forward to. And yet, every day I'm sort of like looking at the news thinking, is there going to be another lockdown change and, you know, Maybe you've had plans this Christmas and those have been changed now depending on where you are uh, in the country that you can't see family. Um, but, you know, f for whatever reason we were looking forward to Christmas, whether it was the, you know, the, the feasting, the celebration, the seeing family members and, and you know, all, the, all those good things. Um, we want to now, like, focus on the, the meaning of Christmas, you know. What's, what's the reason for the season, as the cliche goes? And, you know, Christmas points us to uh, um, something far greater to look forward to than, than just the feasting and, and the family reunions. Christmas points us to a hope in the present and in the future. And that hope is Christ. It is God's Son. Christmas is about the celebration of God's Son coming into the world. But fundamentally, why was Christ born? Why is the cause for the celebration? And that's what we want to look at this morning. Um, our text this morning uh, might surprise you as to the answer um, as to why Christ was born. And will give us a look from from heaven, uh, give us a look from the relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we will see what, what is God doing, what is God up to in the miracle of Christmas. Today's title message is called Born to be Highly Exalted. Born to be Highly Exalted. As uh, Pastor Ephraim was saying, we're continuing our series. This is our fourth uh, series, going through a book called The One True Gift, written by Tim Chester. And my sermon heading points are taken from the book, 
Um, I don't claim originality for the points, although I haven't completely plagiarized the thing. Um, there are things I'm going to say that are, are myself, um, but, you know, just putting that out there. Um, so let, let me read our text for this morning, and then I'll pray. Our text this morning is Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 to 11. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let me pray. Uh, Father God, these verses are are weighty. Um, They are heavy with your glory. And I pray, Lord, that you would enable me to articulate, to have uh, awe and wonder for you and be able to communicate the truths of this verse that Christ is exalted. And I also pray for the listener that their heart, that their ears would be open and their hearts would be open and that they would receive joy through the preaching of the gospel of your son. In Jesus' name, I pray. So my sermon outline has four points. Uh, The first point from verse 9 is born to be exalted by the Father. Point two, born to receive the praise of heaven and earth, in verse 10. Point three, born to conquer evil, verse 10. And lastly, point four, born to glorify God the Father. So, starting with our first point, Jesus was born to be exalted by the Father. In verse 9, it says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him. Now, when it says that God has highly exalted him, we're not to think of this as some next uh, step up from the ladder. But this is an exalting which is the highest. It is unparalleled. It is unique. There's no one uh, that you can compare this exaltation to. It is the highest, okay? That's where the Father has put Jesus, placed Jesus after the resurrection and at the ascension. Now, why has God the Father done this? Okay, and there's two answer to that. One is in the therefore, and the second one is in verse 11, to the glory of God the Father. But we'll look at that later. But the first reason is in the therefore. And any good Bible student, when you see a therefore in the Bible, you ask the question, what's it there for? Man's nodding. Yeah, you get me. So when you see a therefore, what's it there for, right? And so you want to back up and see what's gone before these verses. And what we see is that in verse 6, that Jesus pre-existed, that Jesus was and is God, and yet 
Though he existed in the form of God, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Also in verse 7, he emptied himself. He took on the form of a servant. He was born in the likeness of men. And in verse 8, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So therefore, because of this, God has exalted Jesus to the highest place. Now this truth about what we see here is the humility of Jesus. Now, it's important we stress this. There's such a blasphemous misrepresentation and lie about God in our culture that God is some sort of self-exultant tyrant or bully who demands worship and just doesn't really care about the suffering of humanity. And also maybe through our outlook of human history, when we talk about exaltation and we talk about kings and kingdoms, we're met with skepticism as we've seen the abuses of power and generally we just don't like that sort of ego, let's say, right? But what we see with Jesus, God the Son, co-eternal, co-existing with the Father, chose to give up, give up divine privileges. He became a man. He became a servant and went to the lowest of the low in the sense that he became obedient to the point of death on the cross. So when it says that Jesus humbled himself, again, this, isn't, this is the, the most supreme example of humility. God is the most humble being there is. Jesus, God the Son, you can't get more humble than that. I mean, imagine yourself as an angel. You're in heaven. You see God the Son. You've seen him in his glory. And God the Son decides he's going to leave glory and become a baby in a feeding trough. I mean, the angels must have been scratching their heads thinking, I mean, in, in, in 1 Peter 2.12, it says that even the angels long to look into these things. Concerning the gospel, the truth, the gospel about Jesus, angels, Peter says, they long to look into these things. And it's no wonder when they see the humility of God in glory, in splendor, descending all the way down to be a human. I mean, you remember, imagine the shepherds now, when Jesus is born, you've got the shepherds there and the, with the angels. They must have been like rubbing their eyes like, what? What is going on? God, the Son, has become human. And not just human, but obedient, perfectly obedient to the point of death on a cross. This is, this is so humble. And so the result is that God the Father, see, the result of him being humble and dying on the cross, God the Father now has highly exalted him to the highest place. Okay? So you get this picture of what happened at the ascension when Jesus is resurrected and has come back into glory. Right? 
And it says that he's highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name. Now, this word bestowed means to give freely or graciously. So I love the concept here where you've got God the Father just lavishing prop and praise and love and just bigging up the Son. Like literally, like imagine, imagine the scene of the ascension when Jesus, having raised, now comes back into heaven. I mean, what a round of applause and standing ovation it must have been from the angels in heaven. And God the Father is just lavishing glory on the Son. Like, he is now exalted and he's bestowing on him a name that is above every name. Now, what is this name? What is the name that is above every name? You say, well, it's Jesus, right? Um, But let's turn our Bibles to Isaiah 45. I want to read uh, from verse 21 to verse 23. Declare and present your case. Let them take counsel together. Who told this long ago? Who declared it of old? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a savior. There is none beside me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, from my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear allegiance. So you see, Paul has woven this text into this doxology, this praise in our passage in Philippians. And it is the, name, the covenant name of God, Yahweh, from this passage where every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear allegiance. So Paul in Philippians, is applying this to Jesus when he says that God has bestowed on him a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that he's Lord. So the baby in a manger was God. Jesus' name means savior, rescuer, deliverer, God is my salvation. And so the name that is above every name is now bestowed on Jesus. Now you might say, well, wasn't Jesus already God, right? Jesus already had the name Yahweh or the covenant name of God, right? But before the incarnation, we could say that Who knew that God had a son? Who knew that God was triune? In God's progressive revelation of his self-disclosure and of him revealing himself and his glory to his creation that he made, before the the, the incarnation is the the point at which the, the, the revelation of the triune God is at its pinnacle. 
Sure, there are clues in the Old Testament. There are echoes of God being triune, but, but really it's the incarnation that God the Son take, becoming a human, becoming flesh, where it is the, the, the pinnacle point of revelation where we see that God is triune. And so you see here that now God the Father is making his Son known to the world. The resurrection of Jesus was the Father's vindication of Jesus. Yeah? And the resurrection and the ascension is Christ's coronation. It is his crowning uh, event as that he is king of the universe. He is king and has a name now. Recognize. So when you're talking about God on your lips, know you're talking about Jesus. There are millions of prayers that are going on around the world that pray to uh, deities and gods. But fundamentally, truthfully, Jesus, God the Son, is the creator of the universe. And on him is the name Lord. Now, why is Jesus bestowed with a name that is above every name? Point two. Jesus was born to receive the praise of heaven and earth. We see in verse 10, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So, this means that there is no scope in the universe that isn't to bow the that isn't not to bow the knee to Jesus. In heaven, which is heavenly beings, heavenly realms, on earth, which is where we are, and under the earth, which is what? Everywhere. So Jesus is enthroned in heaven. Okay? Now I want to just break these down. Uh, Heaven, on earth, and under the earth. So in heaven, Jesus is enthroned where he is worshipped and submitted to perfectly. And we get peeps at this in the book of Revelation, don't we? Where John has visions and sees the worship that goes on in heaven and the glory that Jesus is receiving. And it's amazing to think that when we as a church come together to congregate and sing, that we are joined with the worship of heaven. In Hebrews 12, 22, uh, it talks about a heavenly Jerusalem. And so in heaven, the authority, the kingship of Jesus is supreme and absolute recognized. And yet, on earth, see, it says every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Well, we know from, from Scripture that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. Paul also says in Romans uh, chapter 10 that if we confess with our mouth, if we believe uh, in our hearts that Jesus was risen from the dead and we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And so this bowing here of the whole earth 
I don't think is uh, uh, in the sense of conversion. I think this is talking about the second advent. The first advent, Jesus has come and now has resurrected and ascended into glory. And at the second advent, Jesus will come again. And at that occasion, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But now currently on earth, we see this recognition that, look, Jesus is exalted. Jesus is um, in, enthroned. That is reality. Your breath that you're breathing right now, the ability to move around, everything you see around you is by the power and will of Jesus Christ, our Lord. But on earth right now, we don't see this uh, recognition everywhere. I mean, it started in AD, Jerusalem, 30, uh, year 33. And since then, we've had the church, had the people of God, people that have come to know Christ as king, have bowed the knee and confessed. And yet, not everyone does. Not everyone does. And that's because sin remains and there are still dark powers in the world where God's glory now gets muffled on earth. It gets muffled and, and stolen and, and sort of hidden. It's there, but people are blind. Yeah? So this is where the church comes in. This is where we play our part as God's people in bringing praise to Jesus on earth. We have the Great Commission. Jesus gave his disciples. We read in Matthew 28, verse 18, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so Jesus was born to receive the praise of heaven. And so it's on us, the church, of course, with the power and promise of Jesus to be with us to the end of the age, to go and make disciples, to share the good news, to share the good news of the King. And, you know, this, this Christmas time is a great opportunity for that, where we might see friends and family. And I think it's a good time to, to share the good news with Jesus. I was watching a clip in the week, and uh, it's a prominent sort of Christian uh, leader, someone I listen to a lot, and um, I, I watched this clip, and he, he was sort of saying, um, when unbelievers come around your house during Christmas, really they don't want you to preach at them. And I kind of get his sentiment in that you don't want to be sort of unnaturally, uh, unnaturally uh, bashing people with the Bible. But then there's another part of me that just thought, well, fundamentally, Christmas ain't about me, and it ain't about them either. It's about Jesus and his exhortation. And who knows? This could be someone's last Christmas. Could be your last Christmas. How, how do we know? This could be the last Christmas we have until the second advent. And so, since when did the lost ever want to be uh, told about Jesus? in a sense. And so, you know, 
let's, let's share the good news. Let's, let's put our gifts and our uh, talents to use for the king, our time, our sacrifices. Parents, teach your kids about the story of Christmas when they rise in the morning to open presents and all that excitement. Tell them the good news of the king, that he came as our representative, that he is our savior, that he saves us from our sins. Jesus is the exalted king and he's worthy of praise. Worthy of praise. My third point, Jesus was born to conquer evil from verse 10. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Now just focus on that under the earth. That could mean the place of the dead um, or, or hell or just the powers of Satan and demons. And it's amazing to think that, that even Satan will one day bow the knee and confess that Jesus is Lord. Colossians 1, 15 to 16 says about Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So we see here that the scope and range of Jesus' rule, things visible and invisible, even things that are invisible are, has, to, has to bow the knee to King Jesus. COVID-19 will bow the knee to Jesus one day. Diseases... You know, you think about our, our struggle with, with sin and guilt and shame and how Satan, the accuser of the brethren, who wants to make you feel shame and down. and Jesus has power over that. Jesus has dealt with Satan. Jesus has won a victory. All the evil in the world today will one day bow the knee to King Jesus. My last point here. Born to glorify God the Father. Verse 11. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. So again here we see the relationship of the Father and the Son. Not in competition or pitted against each other. But the Son glorifying the Father and the Father glorifying the Son. And we see here that the center of all things, the center of Christmas, is the glory of God. The center of why we exist, why the world is. God made the world and has gone public with his glory. 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And since the fall of man, bit by bit, God has been revealing himself and glorifying himself. And so ultimately, this is where everything is headed. This exaltation of God the Son is all in aid of the glory of God. The reason Jesus came is all for the glory of God, ultimately. The exaltation of the Son being bestowed with a name that is above every name, so that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord is for the glory of God the Father. I want to end with this verse and then, and then conclude and, and, and give some applications. First um, Corinthians 15, verses 24. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Verse 28, and all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him. Then God will be all in all. And this is why Jesus was born for the glory of God. And so, in conclusion, just thinking about applications. So, you know, we've been talking about hard times and how it's been a difficult year. And we mustn't forget that these verses, why Paul is writing this, is that the Philippians are being persecuted and are suffering for their faith. And Paul is trying to encourage them and urge them to have the same mind as Christ, as it says earlier in the chapter, in chapter 2. He says, have the same mind of Christ and to put other people's interests above your own. And as motivation for that, he uses the example of Christ, saying, look at Christ. He who was God, he who was in glory for all eternity, left glory and became a man and endured and was faithful. And as a result, God the Father has exalted him. And so likewise, let us press on. Let us be faithful and continue in this tough season, knowing that God will exalt us. We see that theme throughout Scripture. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Those who exalt themselves will be brought down, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This, this theme is through Scripture, and so... The ascension of Jesus means he who is our king. He is our king. Because he has been exalted, we too will be exalted. Another application which I briefly mentioned but because of Jesus' exaltation has been accomplished, this hasn't been fully appreciated on earth. There are many who have not bowed the knee 
and confessed. And the second advent will come. Everything is pointing towards that glorious day when the kingdom will be consummated. And, and that day, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess. And so, let us share the gospel, the good news to the lost. Let us serve our king with our talents and gifts or let us work out what our calling is. How, how are we going to bring praise to Jesus? Thirdly, if you are a Christian and you've bowed the knee to Jesus, you've confessed him as Lord, and yet are there areas in our life where we haven't bowed the knee and we haven't submitted? I think this passage and when you when you look it will happen every area of your life eventually it will submit so what are you waiting for what is it that is holding you back right now or there's there's that thing that is just there and, and you're not dealing with it bring it to christ bring it to christ and live your life as though He's going to come tomorrow, as though he's going to come tonight. Knowing that you are a citizen of heaven. That's another um, verse in Philippians. Paul's encouraging Philippians, saying you're a citizen of heaven, so, so live, live like it. And lastly, maybe, maybe um, you're not a Christian, and you, you've come on the, on the stream, and Maybe it's Christmas, so you've logged in, and you wanted to hear something about Jesus, and you've been hearing about how Christ is exalted, and the exaltation of him, and you're thinking, well, what's that got to do with me? To which I want to say that God made the world, and he made it for his glory, and since the beginning of time, man has been trying to steal that glory and ignore his rule and reign. And man has been stuck in this situation generation after generation after generation. And it would have been just of God to wipe us out and to judge. Yet because of his great love, God the Son left the glory of heaven with all that divine privilege. He became a human not just became a human, but became a servant. And not just any servant, but a servant who was obedient to the point of death on a cross where he was hung and his blood was shed for you and his life was given for you. This is why we celebrate the coming of Christ. We have sinned against God and we steal his glory. On the third day, he rose again and defeated death. The price for sin has been paid. And God has vindicated Jesus by resurrecting him from the dead. And Jesus has returned into glory. And now, right now, he reigns and is calling you and is calling us to come to him. His name means Savior. His name 
is exalted high. High. And he is able to save because he went down so low. Don't leave it. Don't leave it till the end. When through sheer force of the weight of God's glory forces you to bow. Unwillingly, but through the sheer brightness and power of Jesus' glory forces you to get on your knees and confess. Don't wait till that day. Now is the time. You know, you might think, well, I don't see Christ's glory. You will. You will see it. Repent and trust in the King. And then you'll have joy with God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, and with His people. And, um, yeah, we can celebrate and praise Give all worship to our King. Let me pray. Father God, you are so glorious. You are so good. Because Lord, you didn't have to come. You didn't have to send your Son, who you love. You didn't have to, and yet you sent him And he saves us from ourselves. He saves us from the wrath of you, the judgment of God. He saves us from death and sin. And though we might now just experience a taste of that reality, we know that we have a hope in the future where we will be in glory with the glorious one and we will bow our knee and confess that you're Lord. I pray, Lord, that you will aid us right now, fuel us with a passion for your glory so that we will serve, we will love you, we will share the good news of the gospel and of King Jesus to the world as we long for your arrival. It's going to be an awesome day. It's going to be amazing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.